You're listening to Root Lock Radio. Hello and welcome to Root Lock Radio, a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. My name is Weston, I live in New York City, and I'm your host. Today's episode, which comes out on March 5th, 2020, has a beacon card of the Hanged Man. And I'll be channeling this concept into this episode about giving you some tips for when you're stuck in tarot readings. One reminder before we get into that is that the year-ahead birthday tarot readings for Aries season will be available starting this Saturday, which is March 7th, on my website, which is rootlocktarot.com. Put a link in the show notes for that. And again, this is 11-card, 30-minute MP3 reading. And you also get a photo of your reading and a PDF describing the placements. I incorporate beacon cards, so if you're interested in knowing a little bit more about that, you can go back to Season 3, Episode 1 to learn more. And as long as you give me two-plus weeks' notice, you or the person you give the reading to will receive it on your birthday. I'm only offering three of these per sun sign season, so if your friend was born between March 21st and April 19th, you can purchase the reading on my website starting this Saturday. And particularly if someone's birthday is towards the beginning of Aries season, you might want to do it as soon as possible. At the turn of the year, 2020, I offered year-ahead readings for this year, which were fairly similar to the year-ahead birthday readings that I'm going to be offering. And I just want to read you a review of one of those readings from Caro in Bellingham. Caro said, I think my favorite part of the way you read is your ability to seamlessly reframe seemingly negative cards as opportunities for growth. I think it's so easy for me to get stuck in this fear-based place of something bad or uncomfortable is going to happen. Oh no. And then become kind of paralyzed by trying to anticipate and avoid it. I'm thinking specifically of the way you reframed my fall time five of cups card. With the way you were able to explain this, I'm practically looking forward to it so I can learn and grow and help deepen my resilience and strength. So thank you so much, Caro, for your kind words, and I'm glad you enjoyed your reading. And if these year-ahead birthday readings interest you, you may want to listen up. For episode 7, I'm going to be doing a demonstration year-ahead birthday tarot reading. So that'll give you an opportunity to hear how I do it, hear how I construct it, get a sense of what they're all about. But if you or a friend... Uh, have a birthday during Aries season, especially if it's around April 2nd, all the better, you can nominate yourself to be the recipient of this free reading. So I will pick one lucky Aries to receive a free birthday uh, year ahead tarot reading. There is one catch, and that is that you will need to consent to the reading being used in episode 7 of the podcast. So if you're going through something really personal that you don't want to share on the podcast, this may not be for you. But if you are interested in receiving a tarot reading for free from me, 
and you like the idea of contributing to the learning of your fellow Rulock Radio listeners, and if you're an Aries, you can nominate yourself. And of course, it is going to be okay for you to remain anonymous. You don't have to say who you are. You won't even be on the episode. It's just me doing the reading as an MP3. So the contest or the, you know, nomination process will be happening this weekend on Saturday and Sunday, March 7th and 8th on Instagram. So if you are an Aries or if you have a friend who's an Aries, you can head on over to my Instagram, RootLockTarot, and nominate yourself this weekend or nominate that friend. And if you don't have Instagram, you can sign up for my email list. I'll have a link for that in the show notes. And that will be another way that you can enter if you're not on Instagram. And again, this is going to be uh, aired as part of episode 7 on April 2nd. So for today's episode, we are going to be looking at what happens when you get stuck in a tarot reading. I have gathered some comments and questions from listeners and put together some tips and tricks for navigating these often uncomfortable moments. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Rootlock Radio. Getting stuck in a tarot reading can be super uncomfortable, especially if you're reading for someone else. It can be an experience that makes you feel de-skilled and exposed in front of whoever you're doing your reading for. Even if you're reading for yourself, it can feel really frustrating, like a blockage, like something standing in the way of you getting the message that you were meant to receive. There's no one way that people get stuck in tarot readings, and there's no one way that people get unstuck either. And so I can't really give you a comprehensive, here's how you're going to get out of a stuck point. But in this episode, I'm going to look at a few ways you may find yourself stuck. And I'm going to give you some tips and tools for how to work your way out of that. There are many situations that are not going to be covered here where you may feel stuck. And my hope is that you're going to find some tools and skills that you can use in those stuck moments. And... Maybe you can even generalize these tools and tips from these specific moments into moments that you encounter that are different. So at the end, I'm actually going to kind of sum up some of these general suggestions to give you some takeaways that maybe can apply to situations I don't talk about. So to start, I want to read a question I received from a Rootlock Radio listener named Shanna. Shanna wrote, Hello, Weston. I am an avid listener of Rulock Radio and a newcomer to the tarot. I find your take on reading the cards, less about divination and more about self-reflection, to be especially interesting and helpful. Each morning I start my day with a what to hold on to, what to let go of, and possible outcome spread. I feel like this spread is helping me to learn more about the cards, myself, and my relationship to the cards, but I find that I'm having one recurring issue. I'm just not sure how to read good cards in the what to let go of position. Likewise, I'm not sure how to read bad cards in the what to hold onto position. This morning, I drew the Ten of Swords in the what to hold onto position. What do I make of that? Any help you can provide would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Shanna. Well, Shanna, thank you for your question. 
And I chose this question because this seems to be, you said this is the number way, one way that you find yourself getting stuck. From what I'm gathering from what other people tell me, this is the number one way a lot of people get stuck, is when you encounter a card that you really like in a position that's somehow releasing it or letting go of it or moving on from it or otherwise kind of a negative experience of a positive card or the vice versa. And I noticed that Shanna used the word good and bad in the cards, and I think it is important to address this first. Now, I noticed that Shanna worded this as good and bad cards, and I do want to say that Shanna put these words in quotation marks, which I think is important. But I think it's important to address this, because in my view, there are no bad cards. And I'm sorry to pick on you, Shanna, it's so common, and you're definitely not alone in this, but a lot of people do see certain cards as bad. And I think the fact that you put them in quotation marks probably shows that you don't necessarily agree fully with them being bad. But in my view, every card has value and brings a way to reframe a situation for yourself. A new insight helps you identify something you'd like to change or something you need to accept or some other lesson. Every card has a lesson. And sometimes that lesson isn't fun, but that's life, right? Life is full of not fun lessons. And a lot of times the hard moments of life actually give us the perspective and skills we need to thrive. And that's called resilience. So let's start by saying that no card is bad. And if you're curious particularly about the Ten of Swords and how that could bring a helpful message, you might want to go back and listen to Season 2, Episode 6 of Rulock Radio, because I talk extensively about the 8, 9, and 10 of Swords, which are often seen as the three like most quote-unquote bad cards in the Minor Arcana, and I do cover how you can work with those in a productive way. So with most things, I'm going to first ask you to think about your intuition. And so when you encounter a card that you think is good or you think is bad, that's, there's some sort of like intuitive thing going on. You see that card and you think, I want that, or I definitely don't want that. And that's important information. In fact, that's the most important information in any tarot reading is that initial kind of intuitive jump. And so I would definitely encourage you to investigate that a little bit more instead of just taking it at face value that you see a card is good or you see a card is bad or desirable, undesirable, however you want to say it. Why is that? What is it about that card that you move towards or move away from? And what does that say about you? Of course, in life, we sometimes do have to let go of things we love or embrace things that are hard for us in order to grow. So one possibility is that when this happens, you are shying away from a valuable life lesson. And if that's possible, you want to explore that. What are you avoiding? Why are you avoiding it? And how could you gain from facing it? This happens all the time, right? Like most people have difficulty having a hard conversation with someone they care about, ending a relationship, ending a job, making a decision to move somewhere, these big, hard decisions are really easy to steer away from and avoid. So maybe the cards are asking you to let go of something comfortable and hold on to something difficult because it will help you grow 
And the same can go for kind of a safety blanket situation where you're holding on to something that's really comfortable and familiar because you're afraid of change. So that could be the case with the opposite, where you're being asked to let go of a card that's really desirable. Another possibility is that you're taking it a little bit too literally. And I'm not just speaking to Shanna here, just so you know. Everyone, including myself, encounters this difficulty, as far as I know. So if you see a card you like in a position telling you it is something to get rid of, maybe don't think about it so literally. Step back and think, again, using your intuition, is something else going on here? Every reading is different. The same card can have vastly different meanings across different readings. And a lot of this stems from the question, the spread, the person asking the question, the particular placement of that card. So it may not be that simple. So I'm going to take an example and give you some ideas of how I might explore reading that card or different interpretations I might have. So if you get the Ten of Cups, which is arguably the most positive minor arcana card, right? As the what to let go of. You get Ten of Cups is what to let go of. And your intuition says no. There are some possible options that you have other than just kind of releasing from joy and happiness and fulfillment. So let's look at a few. The first would be to consider if there are any blocks in your life that are keeping you from truly engaging in that positive energy of that card. Particularly, I would say, if that card is reversed, like if you had 10 cups reversed, what's the blockage that's getting in the way of you having what that card represents to you? Could be a lot of things. I know from my work as a therapist how hard it can be for people to relax and enjoy the joy and fulfillment of life when it comes their way. Could that be a play here? Could there be some external factor, like another person, your job, your location, something else that is blocking you from that positive experience? If you see this and you want it, consider the blocks, and particularly blocks you may not see. So if it, again, I think if it's reversed, it's particularly an option or a flag that you might want to look for blocks that you need to release instead of releasing that card itself. And it might be a little bit of blocks that you don't see. But this could be the case when it's upright as well. So uh, just explore this and, and think about it for yourself. Another possibility is that if you're really fixated on this positive card, perhaps you're living in some kind of fantasy, right? So you may be distracted from wanting everything to be perfect, and you're having trouble being present with what is actually happening. So if you see a card like the Ten of Cups and you're like, yeah, I want my life to be like that, but it's just not like that right now, then maybe you need to let go of that fantasy. Maybe you're, you need to let go of that being your priority and really just be present and deal with what's actually happening right now in your life. Another possibility is that it really is a time to let go of that card. Maybe you've been living in a Ten of Cups phase of your life. Things have been really harmonious and lined up and joyful, but there's part of you that knows that's not aligned, or part of you knows that maybe that's ending in some way, and you could easily easily try to cling to that comfort, right? Again, that safety blanket sense, but you might benefit from trying to let go of it. You know, on some level that you you need to grow, right? And remember last week how I talked about strength and how 
how much strength it takes and how much courage it takes to take a risk to let go of what's comfortable kind of that eight of cups moment of like going off and pursuing something new even though it's unknown that could be something that's going on here and maybe it's just literal and straightforward and the ten of cups phase is ending whether or not you like it and you just gotta let go that could be another one too so again whatever the case the thing that's probably going to be your biggest indicator of what the actual message here is is your intuition and your intuition is different from anxiety it's different from fear it's different from desire so it might take you a little while to dive beneath maybe some of those more like in your brain things that are telling you what you want the reading to mean to find what you really know the meaning reading means and the same goes for if you have a bad card in a positive position so shanna gave the example of Ten of Swords, which is arguably the most negative card in the Minor Arcana, as a what to hold on to. So this could mean that you need to put down your defenses and be present with that negative situation you are in in your life, right? So it may very well mean just like, hey, hold on to this. You're learning something from this pain. And every tarot card helps us to move forward, and sometimes being present with bad things and pain and difficulty is really important. So an example would be if you hear something really disturbing, you probably want to stop thinking about it, right? But then it may show up in the form of intrusive thoughts. So just an example of like hearing something upsetting, you may not want to be present with it, right? You may kind of think, I want to move away from that. But it's probably going to try to come in. If you're, anytime we think, let's not think about something, we end up thinking about it, right? So the more you try not to think about it, the more it pops into your mind. This is actually your brain telling you it's trying to process this disturbing information. And a lot of processing of things like trauma involves safely moving towards the thoughts, feelings, sensations, and images of the trauma memory and letting your mind do the processing it needs to do in order to get to the other side. It's true of trauma, but really kind of true of any level of disturbance too. Just hearing a story that's upsetting. Your brain might want to process it. I recently got trained in EMDR therapy, and I'll probably talk more about this in the future, but this is the basic premise, is your brain wants to process the trauma, and EMDR helps to facilitate a situation in which you're able to safely do that. So recently, I heard a really disturbing story from a friend, and I was having this experience. I was having kind of intrusive thoughts that were quite disturbing. Some of them related to the story, some of them were not. And because of my training and trauma work, I decided to invite these thoughts and images into my mind at a yoga class. So I don't know too much about trauma-informed yoga, but I do know that it is a way of using your body to help facilitate processing these difficult memories. So in this class, I sort of invited these images, these thoughts, these feelings into my mind at the beginning of the class, and I let myself just kind of be there and let whatever come up come up as I went through my yoga experience. And it actually helped a lot. So that's just kind of an example for Ten of Swords being what to hold on to, it might be important for you to kind of stay present with the difficult thoughts. So for Shanna's question, this may or may not be true. 
in this situation, but that's one example of how holding on to the negative card might actually be good for you. Now, I want to be clear and make sure that I say that I'm not meaning to suggest that going to a yoga class is going to be enough for a lot of people who experience an emotional disturbance. The level of disturbance I was experiencing was relatively mild, and so it was an appropriate level of taking care of that for myself. But if your experience is more severe, you probably want to get some expert help by seeing a therapist, or if you're interested in yoga, finding a trauma-informed yoga class could really help. So I just want to make sure that you know that you might need a little bit more than going to yoga class to process a disturbance, but it is a supportive tool and probably good for certain types of disturbance. So again, there's no one way to interpret these situations, but holding on to bad or letting go of good is definitely part of life. So of course it's going to show up in the tarot. And I think the best thing to do is ask yourself, what am I supposed to learn from this? Because tarot's here to help us learn, right? And listen to any intuitive signals about that. And just try to validate the struggle. It's, it's definitely challenging to hold on to something difficult. But I think it's important. And I just want to say to Shanna and anyone else out there struggling with this, this isn't the most straightforward example of how to work with tarot. So I definitely hear that this is a hard thing to do and it might take a while to get there. Another thing to add is that if you're reading for someone else, you may be thinking, how do I do this? If I have all these possible interpretations, what do I do? Well, one thing you might want to do is just, again, use your intuition. But if you do find yourself feeling kind of stuck when you're reading for another person, it's okay to ask them some questions and get a sense for what resonates with them. I think it's really important to think of yourself as a interpreter translating the tarot in a conversation between the person, your client, and the tarot. So you can always ask the client about these possibilities, if they resonate with them, and just see what comes up. And some way, way to start, especially like if you have, for example, the Ten of Swords is something to hold on to, you might say something like, I see some kind of mental burnout here. Does that resonate with you? And just see what they say. And if they say no, you might want to just kind of investigate and see if you can try different angles. And again, this is not the easiest skill, but it's good to get comfortable with not knowing when you're reading for other people because that allows you to actually find the real message. The next question comes from Human Behavior, who's in the Rootlock Radio Discussion Forum on Discord. Uh, that's something that's available to people who support the podcast through Patreon, so if you're interested, you can check that out. Human Behavior said, I'd like to hear more examples of tricky readings you had where the connection between the certain cards and or placements in the spreads were not immediately obvious, but became clear when you learned to think about their energy, element, numerology from a different angle. For example, it's quite easy to see how cups can relate to relationships, but what if you pull that card on the surface in a reading that has little to do with relationships? So there's a lot here. And yes, I think it's really helpful to 
try to make connections between cards and other aspects of the tarot. So whether that's a major arcana correspondence with the number, uh, thinking about the element of the suit. If you listen to Rulock Radio Season 1, I think the most prominent skill that I offered in working with minor cards was considering each as an intersection between the element of the suit and the number and the ways that you can find the keys to those in the major arcana, right? So with fire, it's related to the magician, water, high priestess, earth, empress, air, emperor, and then the numbers one through 10 are related to one through 10 in the major. So kind of thinking each card of each card as an intersection of those energies of the element and the number. Now, I'm not gonna necessarily give an example like you asked human behavior in your question, but I really wanna address the second part of your question. That is the part where you're kind of saying like, what if you pull a card that on the surface has nothing to do with relationships in a relationship reading or something like that? So what I would say is no matter what situation you are in, all four elements are involved. So of course, a lot of like classic tarot ideas pair each suit with certain parts of your life. Cups are about relationships, pentacles are about work. But I think that really misses the point. All four suits are part of every experience. At every moment in your life, you're in touch with all four elements in some way. You may be in touch with one more than the others, but at all times, they're all at play. So for example, in a relationship, you may feel deep love for someone, which is water energy. You might be really horny and attracted and turned on by them, which is fire energy. You might be also having like a real nice physical and body connection with them. You like holding hands, you like cuddling, that's earth. And you might also share similar ideas, so that's air. So the best romantic relationships are probably connections that touch on all four elements. You feel connected in all four ways. So if you're having a problem in a relationship, it could be based in one or more of those elements. So for example, you might have a really deep love and really great sexual connection with someone, but fight with them all the time about ideas, right? So you'd be having kind of an issue in the element of air. And the same is true for any area of your life. So in work, for example, you might have a job that you really feel deeply fulfilled by, and it really emotionally fulfills you, right? That's water. You might really like the way the work feels to do. That's earth. It might really be something you feel passionate about. That's fire. You might really like the ideas or the values or the philosophy behind your job, and that's air. And of course, there might be some of these that line up and some of them that don't. And probably the best, most aligned work for you is work that hits all four elements. So I hope that's helpful. I know I didn't answer your full question, but I really wanted to address that part. So let's take a quick break and I will be back in just a moment. Radio is kept commercial-free by the generous support of the podcast listeners. If you'd like to support Rootlock Radio, consider joining the Patreon group. A monthly donation of $5 or more 
gives you access to a private Discord discussion forum, where Rootlock Radio listeners and I discuss tarot and answer each other's questions. You also receive bonus materials related to content from the podcast. To donate and join, see the link in the show notes. You can also support me by booking a year-ahead birthday tarot reading for yourself or a friend, or by purchasing the Season 1 Companion Guide PDF or the Rootlock Tarot Book of Spreads PDF. All of these goods and services can be found on my website, rootlocktarot.com. Another great way to support the podcast is by subscribing, giving a 5-star rating on iTunes, and writing a review. This is the best way for more people to discover Rootlock Radio. And of course, follow me on Instagram at rootlocktarot, and sign up for my email newsletter to stay in the loop about future opportunities to engage with me. Regardless of how you choose to support Rulock Radio, thank you so much for listening. question comes from Cha-Cha Tarot on Instagram. And Cha-Cha Tarot asks for advice when you can't understand a card and don't want a million clarifiers. So this brings to mind an alternative to clarifiers that I think is super helpful, and that is having some kind of base or context that you're drawing on as you go. So later in the season, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be doing a demonstration reading where you'll get an example of how I do a year-ahead reading. And this will really bring this to life. But what I'm thinking of right now is the way that I use beacon cards. So while a clarifying card tends to be something you pull after the fact, that's like sort of to help you salvage the reading, the way that I use beacon cards, and you can use other cards or other things in this way, is to kind of set up a context that I can draw on when I am going through the cards of the reading. So the beacon cards kind of give me a sense of what that person is working with, you know, this year of their life, what kind of energy are they working with in a greater context, right? So right now in 2020, we're in the year of the emperor. So I might be able to relate to that somehow when I'm looking at this year ahead reading. So this is a way of kind of giving yourself almost a structure or a setup or a, or like a foundation that you're drawing on as you go through the other cards. So you can almost refer back to it and think, okay, well, how does this relate to like the greater work this person's doing according to this spread? So there are, you know, a few different ways that you can do this. One would be to look at the cards as a collective first. So say you're doing a five-card reading, you can look at the numbers, you can see if there are any number sequences, you know, like four, five, six. You can see if there are any prominent suits, a lot of major cards, a lot of minor cards, if things are really balanced. If you do that first, it kind of is going to give you some information that you can draw on as you actually go through the reading. So, for example, if you had a lot of swords cards come up, before you even get into going through the reading step by step, you know that this reading is really focusing on mental work. So that can give you something to go off of when you're feeling kind of stuck and you might feel the urge to draw a clarifying card. Maybe see if relating it back to that mental work that you got from seeing all those swords cards helps you to do that. You can also do overall cards. So in something like a year ahead reading, 
you could do like the year overall and draw one card for that and then you know one card for each season or one card for each month and that can help you to kind of relate back it's almost like you have that clarifying card before the fact instead of after the fact because you're looking at the overall work that person's doing that year and this is pretty much how i use those beacon cards in my year ahead readings so for example like right now i am in a hierophant hermit year and collectively we are in an emperor year so overall i'm working with this restructuring energy of the emperor that is related to work around my inner knowing that's the hermit and providing some kind of spiritual or healing offering to the collective that's the hierophant so if i have this in mind as i go through a year ahead reading for myself I can really maybe interpret those cards through the lens of knowing that I'm doing this greater work around restructuring my inner knowing and this spiritual or healing energy to the collective. So that's one way that I might do that. And again, I'll be showing you how I do that in a few episodes. Another thing would be to literally use the bottom of your deck as your base card. There's a person on YouTube who does tarot named Shanetta, and she uses the bottom of her tarot deck as her base card. So that's one thing that you can do as well, is just look and see what the bottom card is and consider that your base, and use that to help you moving forward. So again, the overall skill with any of these is to have something set up beforehand that helps you to interpret the cards as you go. So it's similar to having a clarifier, but it's already there. So you're not in the position of saying, you know, I think I need to draw a clarifier to understand this. That said, drawing a clarifier is never a problem, never wrong. But I know in your question, Cha Cha Tarot, you were concerned about drawing a bunch of clarifiers. So if you can have some sort of base or structure set up for your reading that gives you kind of an overall message, before you even start going through the cards, it might help to kind of alleviate that need to get clarifiers. So that's all the questions I'm gonna to address today. And what if I didn't address the way that you get stuck? Well, I do have some overall pointers or sort of takeaway skills and tools that maybe will help you if you're stuck in a way that I didn't cover. The first is getting more flexible. So don't box yourself in by thinking a card can only mean one thing or a placement can only mean one thing. Open your mind, use your intuition, take a step back, and see if you can come up with an interpretation that feels right in that particular context. It's always okay to be really flexible in tarot, as long as you don't intuitively feel like you're just kind of BSing. You can step back and make connections. That's another skill. So looking at the numbers, whether they're repeating or a sequence, think of the major arcana cards that correspond to the minors you see, look at the suits, think of the elements, think about what card comes before or after the card you're looking at. So any card is kind of in somewhere in a sequence if you were to lay out all the cards in an order. So you can think about where it falls in that sequence and what it means about that moment, that moment in the narrative. And you can also just kind of relate it to the other cards that are in the reading. So really, if you feel stuck, see if you can like think of that card in a bunch of different ways by connecting it to other cards in the deck, whether or not they're showing up in the reading. Another skill is to take your time. 
slow down, breathe. If you can, step away, journal, think about it. There's no rush, and sometimes letting something marinate can be helpful. I know for me, a lot of times I'll later begin to understand the meaning of a reading or a card that I've drawn after I've given it some time. And I know if you're reading from someone else, this can be difficult, but I would allow yourself this, right? So you can just tell the person, hey, you know what, this is what I'm getting so far, but I feel like more is probably going to come through for me, so let's set up a time to check in in a few days, and I'll let you know anything else that I've noticed since then. And also accept that you may not always be able to come up with a neat and tidy takeaway to every tarot reading. And that's not really the point necessarily, right? Because life is not always neat and tidy. So sometimes it's a little bit messy, it's a little bit confusing, and maybe that's part of the message as well. Another would be to set yourself up with some sort of structure that supports your reading. So my example would be using beacon cards or an overall card for the reading, but it could be something else too. So if you're interested in astrology, you could ask someone some information about their chart, get their sun, moon, and rising sign. That might be helpful as you go through the reading. Information from them could also be helpful. You could ask them to let you know what their ideal outcome for a situation would be, and that might help you to move forward. Any additional information that you can kind of have beforehand that helps to inform the reading could be helpful. So even just sitting and talking with the person a while before you start doing the reading might give you a better sense of what they're trying to get out of it and how to help them. And the number one skill, as always, is use your intuition. There's no right or wrong in tarot. Anything I say, including in this episode, is not gospel and don't take it as such. You're just as much an expert on tarot as anyone else, as long as you get out of your own way. So whatever interpretation feels right to you is the right one. There are no rules in tarot. And remember, being stuck is not a bad thing. I mean, there's a card in the tarot all about that, which is the hanged man. And that teaches us that there's something we can learn from these stuck moments. So getting curious and understanding what happens for you. Why is getting stuck so uncomfortable? What feelings come up for you when you're stuck? When else do you feel those feelings? If you can understand the meaning of the discomfort around the stuckness, maybe you can learn new skills to cope with it when it comes up, whether it's during tarot readings or other times in your life. So maybe being stuck is actually teaching you something. So whatever's happening, breathe, feel the ground beneath you, tell yourself it's okay to not be perfect. You got this. So thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Rulock Radio is a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. It is written and produced by me, Weston. Music for the podcast is provided by Shenandoah Davis and Jeray. You can find links for both of these incredible artists in the show notes. To support the podcast, consider joining the Patreon community. And if you love Rulock Radio, don't forget to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a kind review. To learn more about me and the tarot goods and services I have to offer, please visit my website, rootlocktarot.com. 
Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time for Rootlock Radio. Thank you.